Again, it's very good to see you here this morning. We're going to speak um, on a similar theme this, this Sunday morning and next Sunday morning. I want you, if you would, to open with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Let's start reading in verse 5. We're going to read 5 through 9. Just let the Lord speak to our hearts this morning. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his, or he doesn't belong to the Lord. If any man doesn't have the Spirit of Christ living in them, they don't belong to Christ. They could belong to a church. They could belong to a church building. They could be a pastor. But if they don't have the Spirit of Christ dwelling in them permanently, dwelling in them, they are none of his. They don't belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. They must be born again. They can be, but they're not at that moment. And I want us to think about this. Is, this is a message that, that the Lord has given us in this word, in this epistle, to believers. There's plenty of gospel in the epistle of Romans. But this passage here, he's talking about the life in Christ. He's talking about life in Christ for those that are saved. And he says in verse 6, this will be our, our main scripture for the day. Let's look back at Romans 8, 6. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Okay? Carnally minded. It, the, the word carnal is used all through the scriptures, Old and New Testament. The word carnally, it's, I, I didn't realize this, but it's the only time in the Bible that it's used is in this verse right here. So I want to talk about it what, it, what it means to be carnal minded or to be spiritual minded. And I'll tell you right off the bat that a believer can be both. A lost person can only be carnally minded. That's the only mind they have. A believer, someone that's truly born again, can behave and live and act at times in their life or maybe for large time, portions of their life in a carnal manner. We're going to look at the scripture to, to, to verify what I'm saying. But let's look at that word carnal or carnally for just a moment. It means the flesh. Carnal means the flesh. It means, this is a wonderful definition, okay? And so if you're taking notes, this today uh, and next Sunday would be a, a great sermon to take a few notes and a few thoughts down. But carnal means the flesh, the body as opposed to the spirit, all right? So just let it sink in. It's not really that confusing. When the scripture is speaking of carnal, it means the body as opposed to the spirit, but it also and what we're talking about is a symbol, carnal or carnality is a symbol of what is external or the human nature with its moral frailties and passions. It means fleshly. So carnal means the human nature, the human nature of man with all of its moral frailties and passions. It means fleshly. So I began to think as, as the Lord was giving this word to me and I was studying to be carnally minded 
the Bible says, is death. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. So it's quite a contrast there, right? It's just like similar in Romans 6, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen? So what am I minded to? What is, if, if carnal mindedness, or to be carnally minded is death, what is our mind? Right here at the Cornerstone Church, and you sitting in the, in the chair right there, what is your mind set upon? What is our heart set upon? Where are our affections and desires? In other words, where do they lie? Everybody has them. Even if you feel kind of blind, kind of numb to the world, everybody has affections and desires. How do we think? How do we choose? How do we decide? How do we reason? By the carnal mind or by the spiritual mind? Now, I'm talking to believers. What, what steers us? What steers the ship of your life? Okay? By what, is it by what we in our human nature think or feel? Or is it by that higher mind? And that's, that's just the phrase I'm using today. Are we, as believers, are we, do we decide and choose and set our affections by the government of the carnal mind or in accordance with the carnal mind and our carnal flesh and human nature or by that higher mind, that higher man, the mind of Christ? Because if we're born again, and we've been talking about this on Wednesdays, the mind of Christ in Philippians 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus that higher mind. And so to be carnally minded is death. And I want that just to keep sinking in. To be carnally minded is death. Okay. Now, note this, that carnal in and of itself does not mean sinful. Just net carnal just by itself means the human nature, which is a sinful nature, but it's of that nature. Every carnal desire is not necessarily sinful. If you're hungry, that's a carnal desire. It's of the flesh. You, you have a desire to eat food, to nourish your body. How that's fulfilled or how we, how we pursue after that, what importance do we put on fulfilling our appetite physically? That's where it can cross over into sinful thoughts and actions and behavior. And so carnal just by itself does not mean sinful. It does mean fleshly. It does mean of the human nature. It does mean, as, I, as one put it, it does mean to have a mindset confirmed by the sinful nature. Your, your, your sinful nature is going to confirm the carnal mind. It's going to say, yep, that's it. That's right. That's what you live for. That's, that's how you set your affections. That's how you decide. That's how you choose. Your human nature is going to tell your human nature and your human mind, your, this is how to live. Live to please this. Can make it look good, do whatever, but, but live to please this. And so uh, I want to just read this from 1 Corinthians 9-11, just making the point that everything just in and of itself, carnal by itself, means of the human nature, it means or fleshly. It does not necessarily mean sinful or immoral. And here's what Paul said to the Corinthian church. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? What is he saying there? It, it's, it seems a little off track, but it's not. I'm just making a point 
Paul says, if we, Barnabas and Silas and me and, and Timothy, if we've come to you, Corinthians, and we've sown into your lives the things of Christ, we brought you the gospel, we've discipled you, we've led you in prayer, we've, we've done miracles in your presence, we've showed you the things of Christ and brought the Lord to you and sown this into your life. He says, is it a great thing if we reap your carnal things? In other words, if, if you give us an offering, is that such a horrible thing? You know what I mean? A, a, phys, a financial offering to help take care of us? He wasn't asking for their money. He's just making a point uh, for them to, for the light bulb to click on in them. And so he's not saying, I don't want to reap your sinful things. He's saying carnal things, just uh, food and shelter and, and clothing and money and things like that. So that uh, Jesus was was tempted. We talked about it this morning in our Sunday school class. Those that missed it, it was a, um, we have some wonderful times in Sunday school. And t- this morning we were talking about being drawn away and enticed by sin. And we used Jesus as an example because in the wilderness, he was tempted to, to turn the stones into bread by the devil. And yet that would, that would not have been a sin for him at any time to turn stones to bread and to satisfy that physical desire. His Bible says he was hungry. What's my point? The point is he had a carnal desire for food, but it wasn't a sinful desire of food, nor did he fulfill it in a sinful way. So just trying to get a, a grasp of that word carnal. But the carnal mind and the carnal nature is what I would call lower. Without question, read the Bible. It's lower. It's lesser. It's weaker. It's sinful. That, that nature. It's temporal. Okay, so a man without Christ lives in the carnal. A man without Christ, a lost person, they don't know anything else than that. Nor did we when we were lost. We lived in the carnal. We lived by the carnal nature. We lived for the fulfillment and the satisfaction of the carnal nature and its appetites. It doesn't mean we're all just all over the place like some heathen that, that you would see that's just indulging in every type of immorality and, and dark thing. It does mean we were lost without Christ. And we lived according to what we thought was right and best. That can take a little different picture for different people. But that still is living in the carnal, by the carnal, for the carnal. We're living to satisfy what we think is best and what we should do. It's just me living in my carnal nature. And I will be seeking to fulfill that life that I've set for myself. In appetites and lust, uh, my own dictates, my own kind of standards that I've set. But I'm still living in the carnal. Amen. To fulfill those things. Paul said this. He said, we know that the law is spiritual in Romans 7, but I am carnal, sold under sin. He was just speaking about that man apart from Christ. He said it as a believer, but that himself, the law is good and spiritual and holy. And he was saved, I believe, at the time he was writing Romans 7. But he says, I, me personally, just me, by myself, without Jesus, okay, I am carnal sold under sin. That's because of Adam. We're descendants of Adam, right? We're sinners by nature. We're sinners because we sin. But you can be saved and live carnally. Now, I want 
I want to lay hold of some thoughts like this. You and I can be saved and live carnally. We're going to look at some scriptures that prove that, and I think our own lives can prove that at certain times. I'm truly born again, but I can live in a carnal manner. I can think, speak, act, pursue after things in a carnal manner and to satisfy the human nature. But I tell you what you can't do and I can't do. We can't live carnally and live spiritually at the same time. I can't live carnally as a believer and at the same time be holy and be pursuing after God with all of my heart and be honoring to God and be pleasing to God and be close to the Lord. I can be saved and live carnally, but I can't live carnally and be spiritual and live spiritually at the same time. They're incompatible, okay? They're incompatible. The born-again man, the man that is born of the Spirit of God, or the woman that's born of the Spirit of God, can walk, and this is a, an encouragement. This is on the positive side. We can live and walk in the Spirit of Christ. For the first time ever, the day you said, I do, to the Lord Jesus, you had the power. We talked about it, I think, last week. He gave us power to become the sons of God, okay? And as believers would become the sons and daughters of God, we can now live and walk in the Spirit of Christ. I can live that way. I couldn't before. I could have tried to and failed. I can live and you can live in the Spirit of Christ and by the Spirit of the Lord. And not only can we, we're called to that. We're called to that and very much expected to live that way by the one who called us and saved us. Amen. It will be by God's grace at work in our lives day by day. But we're called to that life. Make no mistake about it. It's not an option. Being spiritual, uh, living by the spiritual mind, living by the mind of Christ, living for the Lord and by the power of the Holy Spirit, this is not an option. This is what we're called to. This is what we're calling, God is calling us all to as a body. He's calling us all to as individual believers. Come and follow me, right? We're going to walk in the things of God. It's not an option. So I want to look at that word minded. We look at the word carnally. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded, so that word's twice right there, minded, is life and peace. So what does it mean minded? This is a wonderful uh, description here. This is the definition of minded. It means a mental inclination or purpose. So to me, it goes, it goes beyond intellect. He said if you're minded to this, if you're spiritually minded, for example, it means a mental inclination. I'm inclined to that. So it goes beyond just intellect. It means a mental inclination or purpose. Purpose is far greater than intellect, right? Knowing the right answer on a test. Purpose has to do with uh, setting a direction for my life. And here we're talking about spiritually or carnally. All right, minded also means to be disposed to more or less earnestly in a certain direction. So think about this. You know when, when uh, Naomi, her sons died and she had her two daughter-in-laws and she says, I'm going back home. Her, there's food. I'm, I'm going back home. I got nothing to offer you two daughter-in-laws. Uh, why don't you just go return to your gods and your people and find another husband for each of y'all. And both the daughters said, no, we're going to go with you. We're going with you, Naomi, both of them. 
And they walked a little ways, and, and Naomi stops and says, look, I really, I'm too old. I, I, you're going to wait around until I get married, have more children, they grow, and you marry them? Of course not. Go back home. And they wept. And guess what? One went back home. And one says, no, wh where you go, I'm going to go, and your God's going to be my God, and where you die, I'm going to die. Uh, I'm going to die. And where you're buried, I'm going to be buried, and so forth. And guess what? One was more or less earnestly desiring to go in a certain direction. They both did for a while. So when we're talking about minded, carnally minded or spiritually minded, it has to do with more or less earnestly set in direction. How set are you on the things of God? How set are you? No matter who around you agrees or disagrees, to say, I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to walk with the Lord. My best buddy doesn't. He thinks I'm nuts now. My friends think I'm crazy. The people at work, you know, threaten to fire me if I ever mention the name Jesus. How earnestly are we set on following Jesus? This has to do with our mindedness, spiritually mindedness. It means I'm still giving the definition of minded. It means to set the affection on, to be of one mind or the same mind as whatever that it is. To be of one mind. Are we the same mind as Christ? Am I of one mind with Christ? Or I'm kind of sometimes. When it comes to salvation, I'm of the same mind because I want to go to heaven. When it come to, comes to this, I'm of the same mind of Christ. But when it comes to this, I'm really not. It has to, has to do with this is our mindedness to entertain or interest oneself with, to place total interest in. This is the actual definition, by the way, of minded. You look it up in the Greek. It means to place total interest in. So if I'm carnally minded, I'm placing my total interest in the human nature and living by that dictate or mandate or desires. If I'm spiritually minded, I'm setting my mind, total interest upon, no, my life's new in Christ now. I'm walking with the Lord. Other things, good, easy, bad, hard, difficult, whatever, all those other things are behind me now. I'm walking with Jesus. This is our mindedness. What do we, it means to savor, to savor. Okay, we think about that with food, but it means to savor. Jesus, it says, but he turned unto Simon Peter, to Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Just at that moment, Peter, that thought where he says, oh, Jesus, you're not going to go to the cross and die. That's never going to happen to you. You, come to, you came to reign as king of Israel. He didn't understand it. He didn't get it. He was not speaking with a carnal mind. And the Lord says, get thee behind me, Satan. That moment, he was not savoring the things of God. He, at that moment, Jesus told him, you don't savor the things that be of God. You savor the things that be of men. In that moment, Peter was carnally minded. I've been there plenty of times myself. I've been there carnally minded before at moments. We don't want to live there. Amen. To be carnally minded is death. And so I ask you this morning, what are you minded to? If we looked at our long definition there, what am I minded towards? What am I of one mind or the same mind as? 
you know, there, there's the, such a, a worldly mindset, and you could almost write their, not, not being uh, insensitive or smart, like you could almost write their biography, somebody that's lost, and they're just worldly, worldly mindset. All religions are the same, uh, you know, uh, that we need to be accepting of all types of lifestyles that people live. Uh, on and on and on. You could fill in the blanks, okay? And that's just the carnal mindset. They've set themselves. It doesn't mean they can't be saved. They can be saved. But this mind, they're just totally governed by the world mindset, the God of this world, the worldly mindset, and they're living by it. Very fervently, they'll live by it, okay? They're going to try to shut down a church like this or or whoever's preaching the truth from the Bible because they're wholly set in that direction. They have placed their total interest in that. And so I began to think, what, what am I minded to? What am I of the same mind as? What or who do I concern myself with? What are you inclined to? What direction have you set for your life? Do I have a mental inclination? This was part of the definition to the fallen nature. Is that what I'm mentally inclined to? Do I have a mental inclination towards my friends and just people in general? Do I have a mental inclination or I'm more or less earnestly pursuing the direction of fulfilling my personal desires? Personal comforts personal goals. Is every goal a sin? No, it's not a, it's not a sin. But where does it fall on in your life? And what importance do you put it? Do you put your goals ahead of what Christ has for your life? You put goals and pursuits in this life, which is going to pass, ahead of what the Lord has for you, or even ahead of knowing what His will is fully for your life? Do I spend more time pursuing after those things? Am I more joyful when things go my way in life than when I'm in his way and walking in the ways of God. This is what we're talking about. Am I, am I inclined to personal comforts, goals, achievements, pursuits, recognition, fulfilling and satisfying my physical needs and desires? Because all of that that I just mentioned is carnal not all sinful by itself. It is all carnal. It is of the human nature, and it will soon pass away. One pastor says this about lost people just living in the world wholeheartedly in the world. They cater to their body, which in not too many days will soon will return to dust. They spend their life catering to their bodies which not too many days from now is going to return to dust and be gone. This is a truth that, that we see all in the Bible. Jesus said, uh, when he says, love not the world nor the things of the world, then he says, the world passeth away and the lust thereof. This world that is here, and it includes more than just the, the physical geography, the world passeth away and the lust thereof. All that carnal nature and mindedness and achievements and, and, and all of that, 
the, the world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abides forever. We're talking about carnal mindedness, which is simply governed by the human nature and pursuing what the human nature wants, or spiritually minded, which is life and peace. Amen? And so, nothing, this is really an amazing thought, nothing done strictly in the flesh, by the flesh, can ever please God. And just let that sink in for, for a second. Nothing, nothing done in the flesh, nothing. We say, I, I gave my body to be burned at the stake. If it wasn't by faith, Romans, 1 Corinthians 13 said, not in love, true agape love, it can never please God. It's vain. It's vanity. And let's look, if you're still in Romans 8, look at verse 8. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. It does not say, and he's just say, so then, after all that I've been saying, he wants us to, to get it, put it all together. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. It doesn't say, and, and again, I believe he's writing to, to believers here. He doesn't say they that are in the flesh are going to have a hard time pleasing God. He doesn't say they that are in the flesh are going to sometimes be able to please God. He says they that are in the flesh cannot please God. It's really an amazing thing when you think about it. This carnal man, the carnal man, the one who Paul says, I am carnal, sold under sin. That carnal man has nothing to please God. Nothing done, no matter how noble it may appear. There's nothing done in the flesh. And in that nature, inspired by that nature, and by that nature, that can please the Lord. Never. There at no point. Will it please the Lord? We need to remember that this flesh, remember our series on the cross on Wednesday nights, uh, the cross in the life of the believer. This human nature is not nor ever will be uh, rehabilitated. It's, it must die, okay? Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. But it's really not me living, it's the Lord Jesus living in and through me, right? I died, he rose. I was buried with him in, in death and in baptism into the body of Christ and raised in newness of life in Christ. And so this old nature is not to be rehabilitated and made better and made religious and spruced up. The old nature, like John the Baptist said, I must decrease that he might increase and he must increase. And so we're not going to carry that over into this we try to, and I think that's really the walk of the believer, you know, being conformed to the image of Christ. He's the potter, we're the clay. But as he's working on us, let him work because he's working to get more of that old man out of the picture and, and to form Christ in us more and more to where the finished product is the Lord and honoring to the Lord. Amen? And so th this carnal nature is not to be carried over into some kind of coexistence. And I think a lot of modern Christianity is based upon having your cake and eat it too, so to speak. Having Christ and the blessings of God, but don't, you don't want it to cost you anything in this life. You want to keep all your goals intact. 
Keep all your earthly pursuits intact and all your earthly friends and your everything. Find it. It doesn't want it to cost you anything. You know, sure, give you 10%, but I don't want it to really set you back. It's almost like this picture of Christianity is just uh, uh, human humanity elevated to a higher level of joy or happiness or something like that or power. That's not the Christianity of the Bible. We have something far better. We have new life in Christ. Amen. New life in Christ Jesus. So I want to talk about it. This is a biblical truth that they that in the flesh cannot please God. I need to lay hold on that. So I'm already saved. I'm already a believer. I know we are. We need to lay hold on that truth. We need to ask God to teach us that and to walk by that. Lord, if this is in the flesh, I know it's not pleasing you. I need to get out of that. I need to, I need to be dead to myself and live by that, that new nature of Christ, by your spirit. So what does carnal-mindedness look like in, in practice, in reality? What does it look like? We've given the definitions. I want you to turn to your Bibles. I have a few scriptures we're going to read. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. There's a lot of things we can learn from this little short passage. 1 Corinthians 3, it's not the only example in the Bible or only example we could come up with our only scripture, but it's a good one. 1 Corinthians 3, 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes, in Christ. There were babes where? Would, would you say that these, these Corinthians were believers or not believers at this moment? They were believers. There's no question about it. There's, no, there's not even any argument about it. Okay? But he says, I couldn't speak to you as unto spiritual. So you're in Christ, but you're not spiritual. I couldn't deal with you as spiritual people. But I had to deal with you as carnal, even as babes. In Christ, that's not a that's not a compliment, by the way. Being in Christ is wonderful. There's nothing better. But being a babe, when at some point they shouldn't be a babe, or you and I shouldn't be a babe anymore, is not good. We're lagging behind. It's unhealthy. It's not spiritually healthy, and it's not glorifying to God. I had to speak to you as carnal. I had to speak to you as carnal because that's how you were acting and living and behaving. But He never says you're lost. You need to get saved. He knew they were saved. I have fed you with the milk, with milk and not meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. Still today, you believers, you babes in Christ. If you died, you'd go to heaven. Remember, all the gifts of the Spirit were at work in the Corinthian church at this time. The gifts, true gifts of the Spirit were going on in, the, in their church. And he says, you're carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal? This is what he's using as a measuring stick. Envy and strife, divisions. Are you not carnal and walk as men? There's the carnality. You're carnal and your carnality is being exhibited in the fact that you walk as men. Instead of walking as Christ, little Christ. That's what the word Christian means, right? Little Christ. For while one saith, I am a Paul, another saith, I am a Paulus, are you not carnal? One is saying, well, Paul baptized me. 
well, Barnabas baptized me, and well, Paul led me to the Lord, and he's the chief of the apostle, and, and well, you know, it was, what are you talking about? Christ is your Savior. You know what I mean? Thank the Lord God sent those men, and they were faithful. They're showing their immaturity, but not only immaturity, Paul says, and the Bible says, this was carnality. And so, what does it look like in practice? That's just one tiny example of carnality in the life of the believer, how a believer can be carnal, okay? It's the human nature, and I'll tell you this, the human nature can be religious. I know that you know that. The human nature can be religious. It has to do with outward observances. And the Lord, the Lord rebuked the Pharisees. He says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you're hypocrites. Now, they were lost, okay? I'm, I'm going to say these Pharisees he was dealing with were lost. But he says, you're like whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but within are full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. Even so, you outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy. Jesus said, this people draws nigh unto me with their mouth. He's quoting from Isaiah. And honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So what are we saying? The carnal nature can be religious. These were lost people. They honored God with their mouths. They honored him with their lips. But their heart was far from God. That's the only point I want to make. from The carnal nature is not always just someone down on Bourbon Street. You know what I mean? Doing something or somebody in prison for some horrible crime. The carnal nature can appear religious. There's a will worship that Colossians speaks of. Where it's just simply out of human will to worship, but there's no inspiration of the Lord, no gratitude for God, no humility before God. It's just denying the flesh this, deny the flesh that, you know, and it, God's not in the picture at all. The carnal nature can be sentimental. The carnal nature can uh, mimic and resemble spiritual things. So if you're still in 1 Corinthians, look at chapter 5. 1 Corinthians 5, 1 and 2. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. So everybody knew. Paul knew. It's reported. There's fornication in you, in your church in Corinth among believers. Fornication. And such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles. That one should have his father's wife. And you are puffed up. So on top of the sin that was going on, everybody wasn't guilty of it, but the sin was going on in the church, and the body was guilty of this. You are puffed up and have not rather mourned. You should have mourned over this sin. You should have taken it to heart. You should have been sick that this was going on in the church and grieved like Ezra plucking the beard out of his face when, when the children of Israel were sold into captivity and then they married the pagans there and brought them back. He says, I can't believe it. God let us come back home, Ezra says, and brought us back to build the temple and back to Jerusalem. And you're going to compound this by taking these strange wives that you're forbidden to do and have children with them? He was grieved by it. And then Paul's saying, you're puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that had done this deed might be taken away from among you. Verse 6. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not the little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Chapter 6, verse 5. 
I speak unto your shame. Is it so that there is not one wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren? Let's just stop right there. The, the Corinth, Corinthian believers, 1 Corinthians anyway, this time of their history, this was going on in their church and other things described in the epistle you, you see. But they thought of themselves as being very spiritual. And they were in because this one's given a tongue, and this one's given a prophecy, and this one's uh, doing this. And they were increased in knowledge, and they had spiritual revelations that God had given them. But they weren't spiritual at all. They weren't judging blatant sin that even the Gentiles said, that's sin. <laughs> even the Gentiles said, that's bad news. And it's commonly reported it's going on in your church. Even the lost people knew that. They weren't spiritual. They weren't being spiritually minded, but they appeared to be full of grace, letting the sin continue. Well, we'll just let God's grace deal with it. He said, um, Paul says that, therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Directly in context with what we were talking about. Put them, put them away. Put that out of the church. Put them out. They can repent, they can be restored, and praise God, by 2 Corinthians they were, and they were to be brought back, and Paul says, now welcome them back, you're your brother in the Lord. What's the point? The point was they seemed really spiritual and spiritually minded with all that was going on in their church, and look how gracious we are. There's people having fornication over here in our church and teaching Sunday school, but it's okay, because grace, God's grace is just going to deal with it. They should have been weeping at the altar. For that one. And as it continued, or if it continued, he says, put away that wicked person from among you. Does it mean you don't love them anymore? It doesn't mean that. It means put them away. Get them out of the church. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Put them out. God will deal with them. God loves them more than you do. Pray for them. Mourn over them. Weep for them. They'll put them out. Let God deal with them and then bring them back. And, and he did. God did. God dealt with them and God brought them back. And they were restored. Isn't that wonderful? But the point is they seemed spiritual. I want to try to bring this uh, to a close. But to be truly spiritually minded is not to be like the Corinthians and show they were babes in Christ. They were believers. But to be truly spiritually minded is to be governed by the Holy Spirit. And I say it all the time. I pray you don't get tired of, of hearing me say it. The Holy Spirit is always going to lead us in absolute, 100% perfect agreement with the Word of God. If you think or I think this is the Holy Spirit, but the Bible says something else over here, this is wrong and it's not the Holy Spirit. If I'm convinced, and, and I've been a Christian for how many years and serving the Lord and know my Bible, but I'm convinced that this is of God and the Holy Spirit, but it is in disagreement with what this says very clearly that all could interpret from the scriptures, then this is not the Holy Spirit. And I need someone to help me. Come show me. Show me through the Bible. Help me so that I don't go off this way and call it God when it's not. Okay? And so to be truly spiritually minded is to be occupied with the Word of God. To be truly spiritually minded is to be occupied with prayer. And worship in obedience to Christ and to his word and service to the Lord. 
That's truly being spiritually minded. That's what Paul was saying. Is there not one spiritual among you that can judge the sin and deal with it rightly for the health of the body and for the glory of God? Is there not one there? He's rebuking them. He's not saying that they weren't saved. He's saying they were carnal. And they needed to be spiritual. And to be spiritually minded would have been obedience to God's word, judging, dealing with the situation. So to be spiritually minded, truly, we're going to walk in obedience to Christ and Christ alone. Not Christ in a consensus. Not Christ in what's popular in the church. Not Christ and and what the latest Christian book says or the latest trends in Christianity. Or, or Christ in a blend of other religions that we can all agree upon. To be spiritually minded is to walk in obedience to Christ. If all go with me, if none go with me. Right? It's the song, if none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. We're going to walk with the Lord if none goes with us. And so it's, it's, it's putting to bed, putting down any other concern or influence or affection in our lives. Amen? It needs to be put down. It all needs to be brought under the authority of Christ. Everything in my life, everything that influences me, I need to either put it out or if it's not sinful and God wants it to be part of my life or that person to be part of my life, their influence to be part of my life, it needs to all be subject to Christ and brought under the authority and the rule of the Lord. So the carnal-minded man is not subject to God, the law of God, neither indeed can be. The carnal mind is not subject to Christ, to the law of Christ, neither indeed can be. It cannot be. So to walk that way, to walk in carnality, it cannot be pleasing to God like we read. They that walk in the, and live in the flesh cannot please God. And so there's the flesh, y'all, that everybody could tell. That's the flesh. And there's the flesh that appears really righteous and spiritual. There's a flesh that would fornicate, and there's a flesh that appears uh, righteous. There's a flesh that's heathen, and there's a flesh that appears religious. But all of it, if it's the flesh, it's the flesh. And it cannot please God. It does not please God. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. That life and that mindedness, and I'm bringing this to a close, is death. Do you can come on up. That, that mindedness is not of Christ. It's not of faith. And whatsoever is not of faith is what? What does the Bible say? Sin. We think of sin, murder and adultery and, and stealing and these types of things, idolatry. The Bible says whatever is not of faith is sin. Carnal-minded man is not subject to Christ or the things of God. And we still have a carnal mind as believers, but we need to let this mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus. And if we want to experience genuine life and peace, we have to be spiritually minded. We need to be governed by the mind of Christ in all things, not in most things. Because in the area where you're not or I'm not, we're going to not experience life and peace. It's going to be a snare to us. It's going to be a, a downfall to us. 
once you and I have said yes to Jesus, that's when you gave your life to Christ, we will want to continue following him day by day in every situation, Conscious, consciously choosing. A lot of people that put their Christianity on, Christianity on autopilot and think it's all just going to end up right somehow. Why? Because of God's grace and because he's the good shepherd and he loves me and all that's true. But my good shepherd is saying, hear my voice and follow me. You know what I'm saying? In other words, there's, there's a, a participation. It's a, it's a relationship. I'm walking with the Lord. We need to con consciously choose to be established in Jesus, to go to his unchanging word, to be directed in the right way by the word of God, to be filled with the Holy Ghost, to be led by the Holy Ghost, the carnal mind and nature I would say this in my life, maybe in your life, as a believer, the carnal mind and nature has had its way long enough, has ruled long enough. I'm too, too often dictated by my human nature as opposed to the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of the Lord. Jesus is Lord. We need to let him be Lord, amen? We need to let him govern and rule. Y'all stand with me. I want to read one more scripture. The altars are open now. You come and meet with the Lord. Call upon the Lord. I want God, This is kind of a, a deep truth that I just really feel like the Lord would have to sink in to us. And next week we're going to continue more about the life and peace aspect of it. But to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Let us therefore as many as be perfect, Paul says, be thus minded. Be of this mind. Be of this same mind. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. While you're at the altar or while you're at your seat praying, God will reveal it to us if we're not of this mindset that we should be. If we're carnally minded and appearing religious and righteous. Or are we truly being spiritually minded? Because that's where the life and peace is. Father, we come before you this morning. God, I thank you for these already that are at the altar seeking your face, God. This is so important. This is so life or death. And God, I pray that you would help us to lay hold on it. This truth is an eternal truth in your word. And God, we wouldn't live in the flesh, unable to please our God and maker. We would live in the spirit and be spiritually minded in a way that pleases and glorifies our Savior, in a way that honors you, in a way that you say brings life and peace to our hearts and lives, God. Bless your people here this morning in Jesus' name.